this has also served to be a way for us to share some of the requests that we might not feel comfortable sharing in front of everyone here. Um, because in a moment, we're going to kind of open the floor for a sharing time in which we would love to hear how it is that we can pray for you. But we also understand that not everyone always feels comfortable to come forward and to share um, during this open mic prayer time. And so we want this to be an opportunity for you to be able to write that request down as well. And so we'll do this over the next few weeks. So we know that um, it is pheasant season and some people are gone. And so we will pass these out again next week. If you've gotten one this week, then next week um, probably don't grab another one. So we'll see if we have enough. But I would just encourage you now um, to take these requests and to pray over them. And as that is being passed, I am going to have... I'm going to have the cross-country runner pass the mic instead of the pregnant woman. Uh, is that okay with you? <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> and so it's during this time. You're probably not faster, though. She's still pretty quick. Um, it's during this time that I'm going to um, just open the floor. And if there's anything that we can be praying for you about, if there's anything that God has done in your life that you are praising him for, then please share that um, so that we could join you in prayer. And I would just encourage the rest of us to be writing these down. Write these down, set a reminder, so that we could pray for one another during the week. Thank you. I'm a visitor here. I'm a grandpa. This is my grandson right next to me, and, and uh, granddaughter, and two great-granddaughters, Aww. and my wife. Uh, we're from San Diego, and my prayer request, we've at our church, we've just been introduced to a young woman who's getting out of college. Her name is Sabrina, and she is heard listened to the, and accepted the call of Christ to go over to Hungary, to Budapest, by herself and be a missionary leading other Hungarian children to Christ. Uh, that really touched us because my wife's family is from Hungary. I'm Ireland. <laughs> but uh, we're uh, trying to support her, so I just would ask your prayer support for her because that's a very brave thing to do, and it's exactly what God wants us all to do. Praise God. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we'll be praying for Sabrina and for you guys as you support her. She goes out to accept the call to missions. I'll just remind you that I can handle a lot of awkward silence, by the way, so we can wait. So I just want to pray. The prayer of thanks for... The people in my life, um, my wife who set up a, a nice party for me last night, all the people that came, all my friends, my in-laws, um, but also the people here in this church, um, especially people like Lena and Lindsay and Taylor who every week take all the kids downstairs and pour into them. Um, it's been great, especially Liara loves it, and it allows me to sit and glean from mm -hmm. You know, Nick and Evan's sermons every week. So I really am thankful for all of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we are too. So thank you, Lena. And Taylor's down there right now working hard, and Lindsay is out of town. But we really are thankful. Um, and thank you. And happy birthday, by the way. Yesterday was Logan's birthday, if you guys didn't know. Thursday. Okay, Thursday. Well, we celebrated yesterday. That's cool. All right. So, oh, that's loud. Um, bit of a praise. Not praise request, well, whatever. Um, so I had kind of shared earlier in the summer, year, whatever, about my little brother who was kind of just in open rebellion against my parents. Um, and he is doing a lot better now. Um, my parents had him essentially go around and just interview Christian men who had had a lot of hard times in their life and just talk to them about, like, what does that look like? How did you get through it? How did God help you through it? And I I really think he's learned a lot from that. Um, you know, he he really didn't put a lot of effort in school, but um, something that really matters to him is All-State Choir. This is his fourth consecutive year going, which is not very common. Um, so, and he, like, he had to shape up to do that, and, like, he, he did. He worked hard. He got his grades up. He's going to be going this next weekend. We'll go watch him because we want to, you know, of course, support that. Um, so I guess it's just a praise that, and a prayer request that he can continue to keep learning and keep realizing that, like, hey, maybe open rebellion against my parents, not the best plan for my life. So that would be great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll pray for your brother on that. We're glad to hear that. Oh, Levi. For Levi. Awesome. 
Judy. I'd like us to keep in mind our missionaries and the access workers and vision workers. We don't pray for them nearly enough. Yeah, thanks for that reminder. Um, and if you're not familiar with some of the terms that Judy just used, but in the Alliance, we have a few different kinds of missionaries. Um, access um, is kind of the main focus of what you would typically think of as an international worker as a missionary. Um, but there are a few other kind of branches of missions in which the Alliance functions. There are also some of the marketplace um, missions, which are people who are working in closed countries, where we are not allowed to say that they are a missionary, or they would be kicked out, and that would be the end of their mission. And so they work kind of regular nine-to-five jobs, um, and are essentially secret missionaries in those places, but access is kind of the main umbrella of all Alliance missions there. Thanks for the reminder there um, to pray for them. Antonia, over here. Antonia, thank you for leading worship today. That was really awesome. You sound great. Thank you. Um, I have a couple prayer requests this morning. Um, one is for Will, who is not here because he needs sleep. Um, he should be hearing back from an interview for a co-op. He um, is hoping to take in North Dakota for the spring semester and over the summer. Um, so just prayers that we'll be um, patiently waiting and trusting God on the timing for whatever the answer is mm -hmm. and then for direction on what to do, whatever the answer is. Um, and then I'd also like to ask prayers for um, my roommate Riley, who is under a lot of stress right now and um, who is um, like teaching a lot of her classmates content that they need in order to graduate and um, being the mom of a lot of her social circles. Um, there's just a lot of drama going on and people um, panicking at the end of college and not knowing who they are and um, making not good decisions. Um, and she's there trying to be the voice of reason and trying to carry all of that. Um, and it's really weighing heavy on her. Um, so just prayers for Riley. God would fill her up and yeah. keep her sane and help her friends too. Yeah. For Will, for Riley, and for you, that you continue to be a strength for both of them. I know. So, kind of along the lines of Logan's, um, I am especially thankful for all of the new parents that are kind of having kids at the same time. Um, <laughs> I, I love that Noelle has this awesome group of children that are around her age that she can grow up and experience, you know, the church with. And just, I, I, I know all the parents too, and I know them as good, solid Christians. And it's just really nice to have that uh, great core group for Noelle to be around and grow up with. So we're really thankful for yeah. that. Yeah, praise God for that. And it's amazing there. Every single baby born in like the last two years has been a girl. So uh, I don't know if it's possible to have boys around here, but we're really excited for our daughter coming up soon and the friend group that she's going to have. Um, I just like praises. My best friend Jalen just started going to church again. Oh, that's awesome. We'll pray for your friend Jalen. Yeah. Hello, my name is Ray. Good morning. Good morning, Ray. You notice the love of my life is not seated beside me this morning. That was 44 years this week, as Christina reminded us last week. Uh, and that's where, that's where the, the prayer request comes into play. Uh, as we have asked in previous weeks for a prayer for my sister-in-law, Sandy, who had uh, bariatric bypass surgery about a, almost two months ago, and she is not doing very well. Uh, she has been in and out of urgent care, uh, emergency room. Uh, I've had the pleasure of taking her there several times myself. Uh, basically, she can't keep anything down. Yes, she's lost 50 pounds, 
but it's a very hard way to lose 50 pounds, even though you're eventually going to anyway. They need to continue to pump different minerals into her body since she can't keep food in her. Her surgeon is away. At least another week, and they uh, probably will open her up again or do something again, hopefully, to fix this problem. Pray that she can endure and my wife can endure through this time. Yeah, we're really inspired for the way that you guys take care of your family. We know it's hard, it's difficult. We're praying for healing, just praying for strength for you too. We have a friend, Roberta, who fell into traffic on Friday. She's doing better than what they expected her to. We just need to keep praying for her. Um, also, my stepmom was, is in the hospital, and this morning she fell and broke her collarbone. So I ask that everybody keep praying for her, please. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll pray for your stepmom, and I know for your dad, and how hard that has been for him. Um, so I work at a care campus. Um, I started this new job about three months ago. Um, and I just sent out, um, well, this week we're sending out our last lady from our treatment program um, that I started with. <laughs> um, and so I just want to um, ask for prayers for all eight of the ladies that have transitioned out into the community, that they are able to use all the tools um, that they have been given um, and that they will continue down the path that they're on and hopefully will be successful. <laughs> yeah. That's great that you guys are pouring into them in the way that you do at the care campus. I know it's really important. So we'll, we'll be praying for her as she now leaves. And hopefully that you won't work with her again. All right. Well, here is what I want to do um, when we have... A lot here is I am going to assign um, some of these prayer requests to sections. And so if you are sitting on the right side here, um, would you please just gather with one or two people? Um, and would you pray over a few of these requests here? Um, so would you here on this side, um, would you thank God um, for Lindsay, for Taylor, for Lena, um, who have been helping with Kids Church? And would you just pray for those kids down there, as well as praying um, for Luke's brother, his brother Levi, as he has been in what Luke would describe as open rebellion against his parents. Um, would you just continue to pray that the Holy Spirit um, would be working in his heart and mind? And would you also pray um, for the Alliance missionaries, as Judy has reminded us? So you guys, those three are yours on this side here. Your middle section here. Would you pray for Sabrina uh, from Justin's grandpa's church? as she has now accepted the call to full-time missions in Hungary. Would you pray for her? Would you pray for their church as they support her? Um, would you also pray for Antonia and Will and for Antonia's roommate, Riley, um, as Will is now awaiting notice for this interview and as Riley is dealing with all of the, the difficulties um, that it, she is going through as she is just trying to be a rock for her friends there. And would you also thank God and praise God and pray for um, all the babies that are around here, for these new parents, um, for so many um, of the families and couples around here who are now raising little ones for the first time. Would you just pray that that would be a group just marked um, by God's presence? Left side here. You might be on the right for you, but you're on my left. And so your three here, um, you guys are going to pray for Isabella's friend Jalen as she has started coming to church again. Um, would you pray for Ray and Sally, for Sally's sister Sandy? for all the health, for the surgery that she needs. Would you pray for Ted's friend, Roberta, who fell this last week, and for his stepmom, um, who's in the hospital, who also fell. And would you pray for Kayla and for all of the care campus, for this um, person who has come out of the care campus, come out of treatment. Um, we just pray that God would be using the tools that she's been given, um, that she would not relapse, that she would not be seen back again at the care campus. Okay? If you didn't get all this written down, look around for someone that did. Um, and let's just spend a few minutes in prayer, and I will begin us here, and then give us a few minutes to pray with one another, and then I will end us as well. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me. Um, so Father God, uh, we just come before you, 
Uh, we just, as we've sung today, we just declare your goodness. We just declare your goodness over the earth and over our lives. And we just recognize that there are so many things um, in the world that are um, just in rebellion to you. And God, we know that in the end that you will make all things right, that you will put all things back in order. And so, God, we just pray that you continue to to empower us and to use us for that. Um, With these visuals of the thorns and thistles, the results of the curse, they just be reminders of our need for you. As we see these things, would we not grow weary, um, or would we not lose hope, but would we be reminded of your goodness and the contrast that it is? And so, God, now as we gather in prayer, would you continue to just build in us a heart for your presence and a heart that is constantly pulled towards you in prayer? And so, God, uh, we just turn our attention to you, and we thank you for being a God who hears, who listens, and who answers our prayers. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Okay, feel free to move as needed. So, Father God, it truly is a privilege that we get to approach your throne, um, that through Jesus you have torn the veil and made a way for us to be now in your presence, that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God, that we are now made temples um, where your presence dwells. So we just thank you for that. I just thank you um, for these people here. I thank you for Common Ground Church. Thank you that these are people who know you, who dwell with you, who spend time with you, and who desire to see your name known throughout the world. Would you continue to stir that passion in us, and would you continue to empower us to do that work, um, that we would see 
you doing things um, that is not by our own might, but by your work. And so, God, as we bring these requests to you, we just ask that you would act, that we may praise you on the other side of them. So now, God, um, we turn our attention to you. We turn our attention to your speaking, and we just ask that you would work um, through this story of Abraham that we are walking through. Um, would you just anoint Nick and his voice, his body, would you use him um, to speak a message that is directly from you, um, that we would see how it is that you're calling us to grow, how it is that you're calling us towards yourself. And so we just ask that your spirit would empower him now as he comes and speaks. Uh, would you prepare our hearts and minds to receive and to hear that we would be a people who don't just hear your words and then forget them, but we would be a people who hear your words and obey them. And so, Father God, we just thank you for this time. We now give this time to you um, to shape us, to move us, to make us more like you. And so, Jesus, it's in your holy name we pray. We love you. Amen. All right. Thank you, Evan, for leading us in that time. Give you all a chance to get yourself back in order there in your rows. Thank you for praying for my voice. Still missing about 20% of it, but hopefully it'll get back. All right, pumpkin pie. Brought that up a little bit earlier, so I got to return to that. Uh, so I, I love pumpkin pie. Uh, when I was preaching up at Nemo Community Church, I loved October because uh, for Pastor's Appreciation Month, what my church would do is they'd make me pumpkin pies. And uh, I never got tired of them, never did. I'd come home on a Sunday with, what, about five pies, Lori? And she, she can attest to the fact that uh, I can consume an entire pumpkin pie in one sitting without any effort. I won't even break a sweat. Okay, I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. Uh, that led to some strife in my family because my dad also really liked pumpkin pie. And it was really great when my older sister moved out and my younger brother had, or my older brother had, had joined the Navy and everything. And it was just, you know, just the three of us, mom, dad, and me. Thanksgiving would come along and there'd be pumpkin pie and they'd always get down to that last piece. That one last piece of pumpkin pie, and then it turned into, you know, this brawl between my father and I who, over who was going to get the, the last piece, who deserved it the most, and, and things like that. And my mother, with all the wisdom of Solomon, and I'm sure some of you can probably relate to this exact same situation, this is how she settled it. One of you cut the piece in half, the other one gets first choice. Okay, does that sound familiar, right? So I got the knife. I said, I'm cutting this puppy, all right? I'll tell you what, I have never cut a more exact, I mean, master craftsman, carpenters, things like that. They, they couldn't have cut that, that piece as, as precisely as I cut that piece, you know, and then, then left it to Dad to choose. And I wanted to make sure that it was fair. We both got our, our own half there. So, yeah, splitting that last piece of pie is something we can relate to. And it's something that corresponds to the text we're going to be looking at today in Genesis chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles or your apps on your phones or whatever, um, we would encourage you to look at that. We will also have uh, verses up on the screen as we go along here. We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about how even old guys can grow. Oh, wow, Ray's head just snapped around when I said that. Um, you know, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, and, and we all, we constantly have room to grow in our faith, and we're going to see how Abraham does that. Uh, but we're going to see it in kind of a little sideways way because we're not just looking at Abraham today. We're going to be looking at his, his, his nephew, Lot. Now, have you ever known someone who just seems to drift through life? It, it, it's like they manage to go through their days without having to make a decision. Uh, they just wait for the currents of their circumstances to kind of carry them along sort of thing. And if they ever do kind of get to the point where they do make a decision, it's usually, you know, the path of least resistance uh, when they do that. Now, you might have a hard time bringing a name to mind or something like that because people that live like this, they, they tend to drift into the background and they're easily kind of forgotten because they never did anything to leave a mark on our memories. This was the guy that Lot was. This was that guy. Okay? Don't be that guy. Seriously, when we look at some of our Old Testament characters in here, uh, Lot's name is not one of those that immediately pops up to the surface. It just kind of remains floundering down in the depths. And if we do a deep dive, we'll find him. And then when we do, we kind of wish that we had not. 
All right? So here's some information about this guy that we know as Abraham's nephew, Lot. Um, I got this out of Rombo's Bible Dictionary. Okay, this is just stuff that I learned as I was looking at this text this week. Um, his, here's the first thing. His name is actually pronounced Lot. Isn't that a big surprise? And doesn't that make sense? Because, you know, that, that guy that suffered so much in the Bible, what's his name? Job. Yeah, we don't call him Job. Why do we call, you know, we call him Job, but we call Lot, 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 you know, kind of thing. So anyway, I'll probably go back and forth. I'm trying to condition myself to start calling him by the way his name is actually pronounced, Lot. And that name in the, in the Hebrew, the, the, the word behind that means covering. And that seems to be a pretty fitting name for this guy because he was constantly in circumstances where he needed somebody to cover his, uh, his six. Okay, um, he was always getting in some kind of trouble and, and needed someone to help him out. Uh, it, it, Lot's life is one of blunders and debacles. There is really not a whole lot in his Old Testament record that puts him in a good light. Okay, he was selfish. Uh, he moved out of his tent into the habitations of Sodom, okay, because he decided that that would be better for him if he did that, and that ended up desensitizing him so much towards sexuality and the gift that God has given us that he was willing to basically auction off his own daughters. Okay, like I said, not a pretty story. Uh, he had to get rescued by his uncle Abram at one point, and rescued by angels at another point. When the destruction of Sodom came, Lot outran his wife, leaving her to perish in the destruction of that city. And he unwittingly became the incestuous father of his own grandchildren. Ew. I told you we are not going to like what we find as we uh, dig this up. Now, when, when we read this stuff, it might be real easy for us to kind of write him off and just kind of, you know, we want to forget about him. But <laughs> Simon Peter... In his second letter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, describes Lot as a righteous man. Is that kind of surprising? It is if you measure righteousness by works instead of faith. You see, that's how God measures righteousness, because it says even of Abraham that, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as Righteousness, And it's so, so easy for us to forget that, especially when we're reading stories about this guy. So, Lot, for all of his failings, had some kind of faith if he was reckoned as righteous. Now, this serves as a good reminder to us uh, that only God knows the condition of a person's heart. We might be surprised by who we find and who we don't find in God's presence for eternity. That's left to him. Now, Paul might assess Lot this way, and we've got a verse from, sec, or from 1 Corinthians that's kind of good to apply to this situation. Paul says, No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If the work that anyone, uh, or I'm sorry, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved as if through fire. Okay, so, so that just says that, you know, that our, re our rewards in heaven are based on, on our service to God, things like that. Our salvation is not, okay? And Lot was probably one of these guys that, that just squeaked through the door, so to speak, had just enough faith to squeak through the door, but not enough that it really caused him to build other than wood, hay, and straw uh, in his life. All right, so this is a really good time for us to just, you know, mention how silly it is to talk about Old Testament characters as if they're some kind of hero or something. And how many of us went to Sunday school where we heard about the heroes of faith? We read Hebrews chapter 11, and what do we call them? The heroes of the faith. These guys should be on the post office wall on the 10 most wanted list. 
Okay? Most of these people are people that I would not want them to be hanging around my daughter kind of thing. But yet, for some reason, we started calling heroes again because we started measuring them by their moral fiber instead of by their, their faith. They're not heroes. They're just regular people. When we look at their track record, we see that each of, each of these Old Testament people, Abraham included, are leaving behind some kind of wake of destruction because of the choices that they have made. Choices that are propelled by the same sin nature that I have and that you have. Regular people. Old Testament scholar, Chad Bird, puts it this way. This is from his uh, fantastic book about Jacob called Limping with God. I think we have a slide that has this statement on it. Biblical stars, quote-unquote, like famous people today and of every generation, have a large pile of bones rattling around in their closets and often spilling out onto the floor for all the world to gawk at. Or to change the metaphor, in the dark basement of every human heart, heroic or otherwise, the wolves of evil scratch and growl and often escape with disastrous consequences. Bird goes on to say that the stories that we read about these biblical characters are, in fact, the story of a God who doesn't select the sainted or pick the pious, but who regularly pans for gold in the sewers of this world. And even there, he doesn't find gold, but plain old stink-covered rocks that he washes, polishes, and gilds with grace. Such as Lot, such as Abram, such am I, and such are you. Our morality scorecard will never accomplish what only God's saving grace, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, can. To say otherwise is to believe that we are indeed saved by what we do rather than what Christ has done. So with that in mind, we're going to take a look at Lot today and uh, Abraham a little bit and more of him in the future. Uh, we're going to see that their dirty laundry has been left in Scripture for all of us to see so that we might, as we look at that, see our own laundry and understand that God has always been surrounded by a company of ragamuffins, scallywags, scoundrels, reprobates, rascals, and rogues. And that's just the pastors. <laughs> but that unsavory group has always been given the opportunity to grow and to grow in their faith. So let's go to the text and work, th work our way through this. Genesis chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 18. The, the copy or the, the words that you'll see on the screen are out of the English Standard Version. It begins with verse 1, which is a good place for any chapter to start. And it says, So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him uh, into the Negev. Uh, so just to kind of clarify, if you listened to uh, Evan's sermon last week about how Abram uh, behaved himself while he was down in uh, Egypt, not good, okay? Uh, some, some more dirty laundry kind of being flowing on the line out there. Uh, it, it might be a more accurate way to read that verse. So Abram was expelled from Egypt. And so now he's coming back to the land that God had promised to him. Uh, Lot in tow, the tag along is with him. He's kind of got his tail tucked between his leg after this. But I think Abram learned something from this. And as Evan mentioned last week, that sometimes we grow in our faith most from our failures. Sometimes that's what propels us forward. And I think we're, we're going to see that in this, in this passage. Continuing on in verse 2, it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. Okay, that, that's a good indication. He's going back, uh, kind of like what we talked about last week at the retreat, back to square one, back to his beginning with God and, and kind of 
restarting from there. And that's really the whole record of the Bible is God giving grace over and over and over and over again until finally Christ comes to take us back home. So to the place where he'd made an altar and where Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling together. In the land. Okay, so we get that we, we, we get that story here where you know they're, these guys are doing really well and um, they're doing so well that they can't cohabitate in the same area. They're kind of competing uh, for the grass and the water and things like that for the herds, and that that caused strife amongst their herdsmen. And if that wasn't bad enough, they also had to con- uh, compete with the the Canaanite and the Perizzites who were trying to feed their herds while they were there as well. And it's in this passage where we see that Lot is the beneficiary of Abram. Not just the nephew of Abram, but he's the beneficiary. God told Abram back in chapter 12 that he would bless his socks off, and he did. And we can see that there. Uh, Abram is accumulating great wealth. Now, please understand this. That's, that's, that's just part of how God blesses. That's not the whole of how God blesses. Uh, my wife and I, Lori, we've been to Albania, and we've been amongst some of the poorest of the poor in some of the villages of Albania, and yet we saw how they were so richly blessed. So it's not measured just by material goods. Sometimes it might include those things, like in Abraham's case, um, but not always, all right? So here's Abram. He's being, he's being blessed in all sorts of ways, and, and God is sustaining him, and he's giving him plenty of good so that he can establish himself in the land. And we see that Lot seems to be doing so right along with Abram, all right? Uh, God promised Abram he would bless him and that he would then become a conduit of blessing to people around him. And so that makes Lot just the beneficiary here. He didn't do anything really to earn all of that stuff. Uh, He's just, again, the tag-along following in the wake of Abram's blessings. And we saw in verse 6 and 7 that that those material blessings actually led to some trouble. Now, being blessed materially means we might have to be a little bit more responsible than we normally are. Okay, that takes us down to verse 8. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Way to go, Abram. That was cool, okay? And like I said, even though these guys are all just like you and me, uh, none of them are perfect. Uh, God doesn't, you know, just, oh, wow, I'm really impressed by that guy. I want to choose him to uh, pass on my blessings to. No, God chooses whom he chooses. And, uh, but yet we see that they are still capable when they grow of doing kind of heroic things. You know, that's why we call them heroic things, because they're out of the ordinary, right? And anybody that's ever done something like dive into a frozen lake to save a, a drowning Labrador or something like that, first thing that, you know, they, well, do you feel like a hero? And usually they'll say, well, I'm no hero. Because we all know better, right? We all look at ourselves in the mirror, right? We know what's inside. No, I'm no hero. None of us are. Uh, but we still can be, with God's help, capable of doing extraordinary things, heroic things. All right? So, uh, as we read on there in verse 9, Abram says to Lot, Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. And then verse 10, very critical verse here. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the Garden of the Lord. That's a reference to Eden. Like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. Now this is before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a little parenthetical explanation that Moses includes there. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there are some Bible scholars that believe that Abram said, look this way, look that way, you choose. And that the way they would have been situated, that Lot didn't look this way or that way, he looked straight ahead and said, I'll take that. 
I'll take that piece of pie. And then he journeyed east. Now, here's something really interesting, too. It seems like whenever someone goes east in the Bible, things go bad. <laughs> things go bad. All right? Uh, so it says, Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Now, that's another story that we'll get into uh, as we continue this series. But when we look at this passage here, we see Abram doing a very unusual thing, a very out-of-the-ordinary thing. And it's kind of hard to explain this. Because, you see, he was the elder. He was the, the patriarch. And in that culture, that meant he gets the choice. Sorry, sorry, Lot. You know, it's just, just the way things work, Right? And Abram does something that probably no other patriarch or no other elder had ever done before. He was willing to give that choice up to his nephew. This is beyond cultural norms. Now, we don't know exactly the motives of Abram's heart here, but it would appear that he made this odd move because he trusts God to follow through with his promises. Because God promised Abraham, I will see to it that you become a great nation. I will see to it that you dwell in a land. I will see to it that your descendants will outnumber the stars. And I will see to it that you are blessed and that you will become a blessing to all the nations around you. That was the promise that was made to Abraham, and now he's got to act on that promise. So probably what he's thinking at this point is, I can give Lot first choice. Because God will take care of it. God is somehow going to change Lot's mind so that he picks the poor stuff and gives me the good stuff. But Lot disappointed Abraham, didn't he? But God doesn't disappoint. But don't we sometimes do that? We read our circumstances and go, oh, well, I don't see God's promises being fulfilled. I, I don't see God's word coming, coming true in my life because this person's doing this or that person did that kind of thing. And, and we forget that God is in control, and that's where our faith is supposed to lie, not in our circumstances. The righteous shall live by faith and not by sight. So he makes this, this great choice, and, uh, you know, we should, we should probably note here, too, that, uh, that whether he intended it or not, uh, Abram's magnanimity, I told Evan I'd use that word, uh, was the byproduct of his faith. So that should make us pause and ask ourselves a question. Does my faith in God produce byproducts? Is my faith in God producing them? As we read into that passage, we saw that Lot lifted up his eyes, and that meant he took a good hard look at the land that was before him. This was a calculated choice that he's finally making here, and Lot weighed his options and selfishly chose the Jordan Valley. In, in this case, he seems very Jacob-like, doesn't he? Remember Jacob, who was willing to rip off his brother Esau for his own advancement? And, and that's kind of what Lot's doing with Abraham. He's, he's willing to take advantage of even a close family member for his self-advancement. When we got to verse 12, we noticed that uh, the choice of his land would locate him close to Sodom. And Lot would have known that Sodom was, a, was well, in the words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, right? But yet Lot was willing to associate himself with the wickedness of this world if it meant prosperity for himself, if it meant good things for himself. And we can't be too hard on Lot in this case because uh, it's human nature for us to think that, well, everything just revolves around me, okay? Now, my own self-advancement is all that really matters, and, and when we get that way, we can be so easily blinded to the spiritual pitfalls that surround us. It was one of those times for Lot. As I said, this is going to be a story for another time, but just suffice to say that Lot's selfish choice is going to land him in a messy string of situations. Then we get to verse 14. 
Things switch here a little bit. We've seen Lot the tag-along, Lot the nephew of, of, um, of, of Abraham, uh, Lot the beneficiary of Abraham. In this last passage, we kind of saw him as, as Lot the complacent compromiser. Um, and, and now suddenly the focus is going to switch away from Lot to God, as it always should whenever we're reading the Bible. To not get bogged down in uh, our own failures and shortcomings and sins and wickedness, but to see how God works and moves in the midst of all these things. So when we get to verse 14, we're going to see God the blesser of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. Now he's telling Abraham, take a good look, a hard look. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastwards and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the, uh, so that if one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring also could be counted. Arise. Walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So he removed his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built another altar, another altar to the Lord, because he recognized God still had his hand upon him. I would think as he watched the departing dust of, of Lot going into that choice land that it would have been really easy for Abraham to think, man, has God withdrawn his hand from me? Look, look, look what he just did. I, I, I was hoping he would do the right thing, but he, he did the selfish thing. And, and now here I am left with, well, left with this, left with this. And then God shows up in Abram's life and says, oh, Abram, open your eyes, man. And look around you, for I have even more in store for you than what you just gave up. I think uh, there's a great lesson kind of tucked away in this passage, um, and, and, and that's this, is that uh, faith, if it's growing, should lead to sacrificial and generous living. I think that's what was happening in Abram's life. I think he learned a lesson while he was in Egypt, and he wanted to believe and trust God in, in the promises that God had made to him, and so he has this opportunity to act upon it, and he does, and it doesn't go quite the way that he thought it would, but uh, that's the way life works quite often for us, and God can see further beyond any of our horizons, and, and, and we see that what was disappointing to him turned out to be an amazing, amazing thing. And I think that's something that you and I can, can relate to. And, and, and I think I have to ask myself that question when it comes to byproducts of faith. Do I trust God enough that I'm going to live my life the way Abram just did with Lot? And that's generously and sacrificially. There's a Scottish band that I was listening to a few years ago. Well, I still listen to them. Uh, they go by the name of Cain. Uh, and they have this interesting song called the Hamburg Song. And the only reason it's named the Hamburg song is because uh, I think it was Tim, the, uh, the guy who was writing the song. Uh, he was on a train to Hamburg when he, when he wrote it. And uh, so uh, they decided to cut a demo of it, and they just called it the Hamburg song, and, and that title has stuck. And, and it's just an amazing uh, song. Every time I listen to it, I can almost imagine it being a song that Jesus might sing to me, a, a song calling me to love him the way he deserves to be loved. Uh, it suggests that, uh, the song suggests that it's in our nature uh, to take more than we give. And, and there's this chorus, this line in the chorus that just kind of grabs, grabs you when you listen to it. Uh, and it says, I want to be the place you call home. I lay myself down to make it so. And that's how I picture Jesus. He wants to be the place that we call home. And he laid his life down to make it so. But the chorus goes on and says, but you don't want to know. I give much more than I'd ever ask for. And that's so true about who Jesus is. His entire existence is sacrifice, giving others the opportunity to have the bigger slice of pie. If Jesus took the knife on the, on the pumpkin pie, he would cut a little tiny fraction and leave a big chunk there. And say, okay, you choose. 
I'm giving you the choice. You can have the bigger feast. Kind of the way Abram did with Lot, with the, with the lamb there. And, and, and as Jesus laid his life down for us, what he asked of us, that we would lay our lives down for him, and that is a pretty big ask, isn't it? It's a huge ask. I mean, let's be realistic. It's gigantic. But he always gives much more than he asks for. That's faith, to trust that, to believe that. That when Jesus says, Rambo, I want you to lay your life down for me, the whole of it, all of it, every complete minutia of it, I want, it to, I, I want you to give that to me. And, and, and faith has to kick in and say, Lord, I can do that because I know that you give more than you could ever ask from me. Because he already has. He gave it at the cross. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us grace. He restored our relationship back to our Heavenly Father that we might eternally dwell with him someday in a world that was remade to be the way it was supposed to be. He's already given us that. That's our inheritance. We're like Lot, the beneficiaries of our big brother, Jesus. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? Perhaps this is a place where our faith might need to grow. And, and if it does, if it does grow, we might find ourselves living a life where we're giving more than we would ever ask for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the record of men and women who have gone before us in faith following you. And it's pretty clear that that's not an easy thing to do, and I think most of us here, we understand that as well. That the life of faith is a spiritual battle and often a struggle. And uh, many times in the course of walking this path, uh, we, we crash and burn. And we fall on our face. We're no different than... Guys like Abram or Lot, we're just people. People, Lord, who desperately need you. Because we can't do it without you. So, Lord, we, we are here today to say that we are grateful for your grace that keeps giving and giving and, and giving. That we can never wear it out. Lord, we're so dependent upon that. So today, Lord, we... We pray that you would help us to step back into grace. And if there's a place where we've faltered, a place where we have kind of stagnated or stalled out in our faith, we, we ask God that you would call us up to just trust you, to trust your promises, to trust the work that you did on the cross in our place and for our sake, to trust what you have in store for those who follow after you. God, may we be that people. Lord, and may we leave a record behind of the midst of our foibles and our failures, occasional heroic, amazing things that the faith you give us has propelled. Lord, we pray that you would do this and that you would bring blessing upon each and every one of my brothers and sisters here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Crown Church as you go forth from this place. Um, may the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written to a young pastor named Titus, ring in your ears from Titus 2:11 through 14. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our great, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Have a good week. Come around. Go in the blessings and grace of our Lord.